0: God is good. All the time. And all the time. God is good. We say that each Sunday morning because of this day, this very Easter day that makes whatever trials, whatever tribulations, whatever desolations, whatever despair we may encounter or we may go through, we declare today with the joy and hope that God gives us through Christ that, let's say it again God is good. All the time. And all the time. God is good. Let's pray. Gracious and holy, awesome, incredible, amazing, miraculous God, we come and thank you this Easter morning for the joy that we have to gather together for worship, to gather in community, to share in the celebration, to dress up and to be with family and friends and to eat meals together. And Lord, to come and worship together you. You become our focus. You become our Lord. You become our King. You become our Savior. Lord, so open our hearts, open our spirits, open our minds, open our ears, that we may not just hear you, we may not just hear this story, but we may receive it, and in receiving it, that we may be transformed, and we may go and tell somebody about it. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Everything changed in that moment. Everything changed in that moment. The problem is, not everyone was there to see it. You know what happens when you see something amazing and and you try to describe it, but if you weren't there, if you didn't see it for yourself, it's hard for someone else to capture it. But you do your best, right? You use big words, you use descriptive words, you use motions with your hands, you pretend like, you were there too, and and you share what it was like to be there. You do your best, but what happens? No response. No reaction. So what do you do? What do you say? I guess you just had to be there, and you wander off. I guess that's what it's like when We're on vacation and we see this beautiful sunset piercing through the smoke-covered mountains. Or you're at a play or you're at a concert. And and it's almost like the actor's heart comes out of their body and enters your heart and you're moved out of your seat. Or your bride-to-be walks down the aisle. Or you hear that cry, the first cry of your newborn child. Or you go to the doctor and you hear the words that you have cancer or one you love has cancer. Jesus is not in the tomb. This resurrection moment, this gift of life after death changes everything. And if we hear the message, we receive the message, and we don't do anything about it, and we just go along our way, and we tell others, well, I guess you had to be there, and we shake our heads like it's just another story, then we miss the opportunity we're given. This is too wonderful of a message not to share. This is too good of a message to keep to ourselves. Even if we don't understand it, even if we don't understand Him, God understands us. And today, we too become witnesses. Bearing witnesses It's more than just simply saying, I saw it happen. It's a challenge. It's an opportunity to share the experience, to offer the gift that we are given, to be vulnerable in our despair and our desperation, and to declare that God's kingdom has begun to take root amongst us. So today... We take a look at the first witness of the resurrection at Mary. At what her thoughts and what her emotions that she felt at the Easter tomb must have been like. How does her story, how does Mary's story become our story? As we experience, as we discover, and as we bear witness to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I invite you to join me as we explore this scripture text this morning. It comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 20, verses 1 through 18, and I'm adding a verse to that, verse 19. Online, hope you'll join us with the Bibles near you. In person, please use the Bibles you've got. There's pew few Bibles before you or your devices that you're welcome to use. John, chapter 20, verse 1. Let us hear the word of God for us this Easter day. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Then Peter and the other disciple set out and went toward the tomb. The two were running towards the tomb together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent down to look in, and he saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, and following him, and he went into the tomb. He saw the linen wrappings lying there and the cloth that had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. Whom are you looking for? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said in Hebrew, Rabbani. Jesus said to her, Do not hold on to me, because I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and to your Father, To my God and to your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples. I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week. And the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for the fear of the Jews. Jesus came came among them and said, peace be with you. Peace be with you. This is the word of the Lord for us, the people of the Lord. Thanks be to God. As much as people had told my wife Susan and me, and we even attended classes, the birth of my first child was like no experience I've ever been through in my life the fear right that's easy for me to say right the fear the anxiety the unknown the excitement the challenge I imagine at least for a moment these are the only emotions that I could even key into that Mary must have felt that first Easter morning as she went to the tomb she went to carry out the burial ritual but the body was not there. Jesus was gone. Her life would never be the same. Her world would never be the same. The world would never be the same. What was going through, what was going through Mary's mind that first Easter morning? And what difference did those thoughts make in her life? What difference does Easter make in your life? No one ever loved Jesus as much as Mary Magdalene did. Jesus did for Mary what no one else could do. She would never forget him. She would always love him for it. It was custom, after one was buried, to go to the barrel and perform the rituals after the body had been laid to rest. They didn't come on the Sabbath because it was Saturday and was against the law. So early the next morning, Mary came to the tomb. As she approached the tomb, these are some thoughts, and emotions that I imagine Mary had. First, there was fear in her eyes. For Jocelyn told us in the children's story of, what did she expect for Jesus to be there? But he was gone. There's a little ditch often in front of a tomb that's enough for a wheel of a stone to be rolled in and someone had come and rolled that stone away from the entrance to the tomb. She was astonished. But not only was there fear in her eyes, there was probably also fear in her heart. What had happened? Had somebody stolen his body? Had the Jews come and taken Jesus' body? Had robbers come and carried him away? Mary did not want to face this situation alone, so she ran. She ran, and she went and found Peter and John. What do we do? What do we do when things don't turn out the way we expect? What do we do when we find ourselves in a situation that we're uncertain what to do next? We run. Fear enters our heart. We think of the worst-case scenario of something might have happened. We find somebody. We try to explain to them. But it only falls on deaf ears. When Mary tells Peter and the other disciples whom Jesus loved what happened, it seems that they have to be there for themselves. So what do John and Peter do? They run. They run to the tomb and John stops and looks in, and Peter just goes on in. And then John enters in and believes. But what did Peter and John do after this? Where did they go? They went home. Ah! He's gone. Let's go home. I can't imagine. I, I always wonder that. Why did Peter and John go home? What did they do? What did they think? Who did they talk to? What did they say? What was going on in their mind? And we don't know. So let's return to what we do know, and that's to Mary. Look at verse 11. What's Mary doing? What's she doing? Weeping. She's weeping. She's crying. She's there and weeping. And who appears? The gardener. The gardener. She begins to say how much she loves the one in the tomb and asks the gardener, have you taken him? If so, I'd be happy to take him from you. I mean, she doesn't even think that it might be Jesus. We probably wouldn't either. But she asks to take his body if she's got it. What is she going to do with this body if he gives it to her? It seems that Mary's emotions are getting stronger. And she's desperate to see Jesus. Right when we find ourselves in a situation we're not familiar with, that's getting out of control, that we're not sure what's going to really happen next or what to expect, we act impulsively rather than rationally. In her desperateness, Mary becomes blind to the truth, the truth that is standing right before. Mary's the first person to see Christ as the risen Christ. She did not recognize him at first for she was weeping. Was she weeping for Christ? I don't think so. I think she was weeping for herself. Because there was a void in her life that he had filled like no one else had filled. And her weeping was getting in the way. It was the means of expressing that, but it kept her from recognizing Jesus. Sometimes in our tears, sometimes in our fears, we fail to recognize Jesus around us. Mary was looking in the wrong place for Jesus, right? Sometimes we go looking in the wrong place. You lost something at home and you go look on the counter and you go look in the bedroom and you look in the bathroom and you look in your pants pockets and you look in the car and you look under the cushions and you can't find it. So what do you do? You go back to your bathroom and your bedroom and your pockets and your car and your seat cushions and what do you do? You can't find it and you go back. Right? I've done it. We look in the same place over and over. Mary did not recognize Jesus because she was looking in the wrong place. In the wrong direction. She was looking in the tomb, and she's talking to the gardener who's outside of the tomb. Do you remember what Jesus said to her? What did Jesus do? Verse 16. What did Jesus say? Mary. Mary. Jesus called her by name. The text tells us she turned and said, Rabbi or Rabbinai. She was mourning the loss of Jesus because she was looking in the tomb and she thought that the conversation she was having was with the gardener. But what does she learn? What does she discover? That Jesus is no longer in the grave. Hear that people, Jesus is no longer in the grave. In our sorrows, we have to remember that our loved ones are no longer in the grave. They're face to face in heaven with the glory of God himself. And maybe, perhaps maybe they're singing with the angels. It's in that moment. It's in that very moment that Mary discovers Jesus. One of the greatest images of grace and delight ever imagined. Top ten wonders of the world. Number one scene of all time. Indescribable, a moment you don't want to miss. But it's in this moment that Mary abandons her grief and locks in to Jesus. She wants to embrace the one who knows her best. The only one who really understands her. Her life, her loss, her lacks, her love. After Mary discovers Jesus, what does Jesus do? He immediately places a call on Mary's life. Jesus' words to Mary are not to share that he is risen, but that he's ascending to the Father. Look at verse 17. Not just his father, but her father. The disciples' father. Everyone's father. Not just my God, Jesus says, but your God. The disciples' God. Everyone's God. I hope you hear this this morning. I really hope you hear this this morning. We don't have to go to Jerusalem to discover Jesus. We don't have to be at the tomb. We don't have to be at the cross to experience Jesus. We don't have to be in person at worship to be touched by Jesus. Belief. Belief is all that we need for transformation. And it's our faith that keeps belief alive. It's through confessing Christ that we receive a new identity, a new life and our lives And our fears will never be the same. What's the climax in today's scripture? What do you think? Just take a guess. What's the climax? It's Easter. (laughs) We think it's the resurrection, right? I mean, that would make sense. It's Easter, it's the resurrection, preacher. Look a little closer. I think it's something beyond the resurrection. Back at verse 17, that Jesus talks about his return to the Father, his return to God. The result of the resurrection is Jesus returning to God. This return is what makes new life possible for us. Jesus completes what he came on earth to do. His full circle return allows our resurrection to be made into a full circle reality. Everything changed in that moment for Mary. The problem is that the disciples weren't there to see it. She tried hard, right? She tried hard to share the story with them, to let them know of what she felt when she saw Jesus at the tomb. She used motion. She talked about what it was like. She began to probably weep. She tried her best and she would just have to wait till the disciples would experience Jesus for themselves but what do we what do we learn in verse 19 that Jesus on that same day on that same evening came and stood among the disciples The disciples did not have to go to Jesus. Jesus came to them. The disciples did not have to find Jesus. Jesus found them. That first Easter is not just a moment that they missed, that we missed out on, but it's a moment that each Sunday morning, each time we gather, we remember. What do we remember? That Jesus has come to us. That Jesus has found us. In our fears and in our desperation and our weeping. Let us turn around and look into the eyes of the one who has found us. The one who calls us by name. Let us not just go back to our home. Let us not just sit at the Easter table with family, our friends, and share with those who haven't heard the story that, you know what? I guess you just had to be there. But let us bear witness. Let us claim the responsibility. Let us claim the opportunity that we have to share and experience the gift That we have been given. Even if we don't fully understand it. Even if we don't fully understand him. We can. Because we have one who fully understands us. And he can. Because he was there. And we? We didn't have to be. In the name of God the Father. God the Son. And God the Holy Spirit. Thank you Lord as we hear the good news this Easter morning. That you meet us right where we are. So for each of us in our pain and. Desperateness and desolation and fears and anxiety and unknown and excitement. Thank you for meeting us here. But help us to take what we've experienced out into the world that desperately needs to hear the good news to. That someone, someone we know, someone we love, someone we work with, someone we go to school with, can hear and perhaps be transformed by the good news of Christ. In your name we pray. Amen.